0: So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 5.56 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It's the 19th of May, 2021. This is episode 421 of Bitcoin and how you doing out there, guys? You doing all right? You holding it together, man? You better. Because welcome to Bitcoin, motherfucker. This is the way it works. Um, am I happy about it? No, of course I'm not happy about it. Never happy about this kind of shit. You know, the FUD piles on. Although, <clears throat> I have to say, I have been thinking this doesn't... I'm not going to say this time it's different as much as I don't think this is all Elon Musk at this point. I think he, he might've been the, like, I don't know, point of the spear of the spear and all that kind of shit, but we've got FUD piling on FUD piling on FUD piling on FUD. And you know, after a while it, it becomes like, well, you know, just how coordinated is this? <clears throat> or is this simply just organic and like, and I'm am I talking about the dip? No, I'm talking about all the the actual fud that you know is coming out. Um, it, but I just I, I'm not sure if I could if I could actually call it coordinated as, at this point as much as I would have to call it just coincidence. Now, am I right? Oh hell, I don't know, dude. I mean, is anybody right about anything? <clears throat> you know, a hundred thousand, you know, hundred thousand dollar Bitcoin by uh, June uh, in time for the, uh, Miami conference. I mean, those are, those are wrong too. Are we going to hit the the gap at 37,000? I don't know. Maybe it looks like we might. And you know, there's been a lot of gap fills. And what am I talking about? A gap fill It's when you got a price rise that goes up and then you end up passing a point. Like, I don't know, like, let's say you got a $10,000 candle from, uh, let's say from like 30,000 to 40,000. on on the way up. And then you, over the days you shoot past that and you go for days and a few weeks and you're just kind of at this level. And then you go up and you kind of go down a little bit and go up, but you're, you're way above this. You're, you're inhabiting this area in the price where you're way above that $10,000 candle that you forgot about the one that you were tweeting about the one that you were taking pictures of giant green dildos about and posting them to twitter and and facebook and being all fun about it and then it just kind of it kind of goes away in your mind <clears throat> you know you're you're focused on what news is coming out like you know like you're 6 weeks out from the $10,000 green candle and you never went back down in price to go back into that range somewhere about halfway In that $10,000 candle. So if we went from like, let's say like a 30 to 40, from $30,000 to $40,000 and you stayed at, you know, between 40 and $47,000 for weeks and weeks and weeks, and then go up to 50, like, you know, basically what we did, you never came back down to $35,000 to go back and test that gap, that gap being the price, the area of price between 30 and $40,000. That's what a gap is. There was no retest, right? <clears throat> the market sentiment didn't want to go back down to 35 and kind of inhabit that area even once or twice or a couple of times. And that ends up being, from what I understand about technical analysis, and I believe me, guys, I, you're, you should not be listening to me. But my understanding at the base level is that that's what the gap is. When somebody says, we got to go fill the gap we may be on our way to going and filling that gap right now so what happens after that i don't know do we ever actually go in and fill the gap i don't know but if we don't i guarantee you there's going to be a lot of ta guys that know a shit ton more about that stuff than i do that's going to be telling you we've got to go fill the gap so that may be what we're looking at here is that market sentiment just in general, even outside all the FUD reports that have been coming out and Elon Musk doing his thing and all the bullshit, that it may simply just be the market saying, look, unless we go and fill that gap, we don't really have the kind of price foundation to build on from there. And we've done this a lot, honestly, over, over the past, you know, God, 11 years. We've certainly done it on more than a handful, a couple of handfuls of, you know, of times during my time in Bitcoin, which started in this late summer of 2015. So I've seen this on several occasions. That does not mean that I like it. It does not mean that I'm happy about the dip. I see a lot of tweets right now going, oh, thank God for the dip. And you know... You know, back in the back of that tweet, you know, Twitter guy's mind that he's going, fuck, we're all going to die. It's okay. It's a completely human, it's a completely human reaction to extraordinary market forces that that are in play that are completely outside of our control. Because I do believe that this is collectively the market as a hive mind just saying, I don't know, price action's weak up at these prices. Let's Let's go find... Let's go find another price that we can build a better base on than what we've done. So is this hopium? God, I hope it doesn't sound like that because again, I ain't all, I ain't all that excited about today. Like, you know, like I said, man, there's a whole bunch of Twitter guys out there. I'm looking at my feed right now and it's like everybody has this, I don't know. I'm sure there are a couple of people that, that have been through way more of these than I have because they've been in since way before 2015. And they literally don't give a shit um i'm I'm at the point where I'm seeing price move at, the, at this point where I'm not gonna lie yeah it 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 affects me insofar as eh, I ain't happy, you know, but then again what's the difference between having hope and and hoping that you're happy? There's a lot, you know I mean again, I keep looking at the fundamentals of this entire thing. I got Countries printing the living snot out of their fiat currency to get themselves out of a mess that they can never get out of. If they stop printing, interest rates are going to shoot up to a point where the debt on all these countries is, generally speaking, unserviceable. I I won't get into the numbers, some of the numbers that I've heard, but it it becomes unserviceable. The only way, the only perceived way out. Of the bullshit that have, has been created for us over the last seventy to fifty to seventy-five years is to just continuously print money, and that's what happens when you go off a of hard money. And if I look at if I look at Bitcoin and I divorce it from its price, all I can think of is that this is the hardest money ever. So from a fundamental standpoint, nothing has changed. The blocks still roll in at ten minutes. Transactions are, 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 are being cleared and settled in, in a way that are, that is irreversible. It's immutable. <clears throat> there, the difficulty adjustment is going to keep in pace on it. Like, uh, every two weeks with the amount of mining rigs that are, that are signaling that they're actually mining and they signal by actually mining it Nothing in the fundamentals, in the my bag of fundamentals about Bitcoin has changed because I can't change it. I can't even perceive of it any differently other than blocks come in, if they come in too late or too early, difficulty adjustment happens, and then miners react accordingly on the other side of the difficulty adjustment. Right now, we're apparently transitioning a bunch of Chinese miners from <clears throat> their rainy wet season so they are now moving so they're taking a bunch of their miners offline so that they can actually move them god what a pain in the ass to to other regions with cheaper electricity because i guess their rainy season is already done it i don't know it seems a little early but whatever but still the fundamentals are still there if i can if if i can get my mind around myself to to divorce my mind for, or have my mind divorce the price from the fundamental set of Bitcoin, then I don't worry. And also, let's just, let's just talk about this for just a second here before we move on. If I go and I look at my trading view <clears throat> set, and I've got it, of course, I've got it on, on BTC USD pair. I'm, I'm you know, it, it, that kind of shit doesn't make me happy. But then I got, I mean, we're, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at we're 8% down for the day for on Bitcoin. And we've been going down clearly for the last few days, ever since Musk decided to pull his bullshit, which I think ignited a whole bunch of, opened up a whole bunch of boxes that other people were just waiting to be opened. But Ethereum's down twice that, as is Doge. Litecoin's down 11%. Ethereum Classic is down 18%. Every shit coin is getting hit way harder than Bitcoin. Way harder. <clears throat> all the news is going to, fo- like. And here's the deal: all the news in times like this is going to focus on the decline of Bitcoin. And then all your friends are going to go, How's Bitcoin doing? And then your reply should be, oh, well, I don't know. I'm busy looking at how, how much worse it is for the rest of the shit coins that I was warning you about two weeks ago. That's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at a C, I mean, an absolute sea of red here. And it is, the, the, the depth of the blood is so much deeper in every other market, save Filecoin for whatever reason. But outside of Filecoin, <clears throat> I'm just seeing basically just destruction across the board. And Bitcoin actually is getting the least amount of pain from that. So you get it, it depends on so it it really depends on what, what are you looking at? Because if you're just going to look at price, well, then you need to look at all the prices of all the shit coins and be comfortable. Knowing that when you told your friends don't buy into these shit coins, that they at least have it lost clearly as much as they could have if they got into the shit coin casino. Because the shit coin casino right now is literally on fire. The fire trucks are not on the way. And all the waitresses and bartenders are trying to secure the bars that alcohol is saved. Fuck everybody else. That's how bad it is in the shit coin casino. So you're going to have to figure out a way to maneuver yourself around what's going on in Bitcoin and focus on other things. Focus on the fundamentals and the fundamentals of the the mechanics of Bitcoin, why it works, how it works, how it was set up, and then the the fundamentals of what's going on in the macroeconomic level of all the countries of the world who are basically taking giant craps on their citizenry by debasing all of the time that they've spent on this planet. And then come to your own conclusion as to how you want to proceed. But you've got to look at all this at once. You can't just look at, oh my God, the price of Bitcoin is tanking. Yeah, well, the price of the shitcoin casino is like twice as bad. Minimum. So you got to get your mind right about all this stuff, guys. You, all of us do. So if you're panicking out there, you know, you're just going to have to go through the rest of it. All right, we're prob- I, I get the feeling we're probably going to gap down to somewhere around 30, you know, 37,000 or something like that. I don't know. And maybe even all the way back down to 35. Who, co- who knows? But the fundamentals never change. The macroeconomic landscape looks pretty fucking bleak. Blocks come in at 10 minutes, and if they start coming in earlier or later, the difficulty adjustment adjusts, and then miners react accordingly. This is a cycle. It always goes this way. Those fundamentals will never break. Y'all y'all be calm out there, okay? Seriously. Now, let's get into it. <clears throat> Bitcoin usage continues to accelerate in Argentina. Uh, Tyler LaRoche is writing this one for Bitcoin Magazine. The presence of Bitcoin continues to accelerate in Argentina, a country that has been severely affected by government-sanctioned anti-free market policies. Citizens of Argentina have long utilized the US dollar as a means to transact outside of the traditional system, yet Bitcoin has been gaining traction in the country over the past few years. Recently, the Latin American director of digital exchange Binance told AFP News, quote, the number of user accounts for investing in cryptos, that's in quotes, has multiplied by 10 in Argentina since 2020, detailing a staggering increase in the number of users. Argentina entered the 20th century as one of the wealthiest countries throughout the entire world. Prior to World War I, Argentina was richer than the traditional European superpowers of France, Germany, and their Spanish colonizers. The country continued to grow throughout the first half of the 20th century, albeit at a slower pace than the rest of the world, but still maintaining a positive growth rate. Yet, in 1975... The economic scenario of the country quickly changed from 1975 to 1990. The country experienced economic stagnation and dramatic inflation. Gee, I wonder why. Could it have been 1971? Who knows. Starting in 75, the government enacted the Rodrigazo, hold on, Rodrigazo, a series of centrally planned government policies that aimed to centralize economic decision making. As a result. <clears throat> inflation averaged over 300% per year from 75 to 1990 reaching severe hyperinflation rates of 2600% in 89 and 1990 <clears throat> these bouts bouts of government induced hyperinflation destroyed the savings of citizens preserving their wealth in the argentinian peso and set the set the country into a devastating downward spiral throughout the 90s <clears throat> Argentina had a law of convertibility that fixed the peso's exchange rate at par with the U.S. dollar, meaning every peso had to be backed one-to-one U.S. dollar reserve ratio. This temporarily stalled inflation for about a decade, yet meant that the politicians could not print exorbitant amounts of money. As a result of the government's desire to increase spending in 2001, they quickly enacted a series of government policies known as the Coralito, <coughs> During this attack on economic freedoms in the country, the Argentinian government froze citizens' dollar-denominated bank accounts within the banking system. Simultaneously, they altered the peso to USD exchange rate, then proceeded to steal the dollars within the banking system as all were converted to Argentinian pesos under the new exchange rate simply to finance government spending at the expense of the common citizen. Sound familiar? After the Coralito, the economy had a slight return to growth as government-imposed restrictions were slowly lifted from 2002 through 2012. But in 2012, rising inflation and capital flight led to a massive decrease in the country's dollar reserves, pushing the government to enact new capital controls. specifically centered around limiting citizens' access to U.S. dollars. These capital controls led to a steady increase in the black market for dollars transacted outside of the traditional banking system, known as the blue dollar rate. From 2012 to 2015, capital controls continued to be enacted under President Christina Kirchner, leading to a steady increase in the blue-collar conversion rate. Under President Mauricio Marcri, From 2015 to 2018, some capital controls were lifted, decreasing the size of the black market for U.S. dollars, yet the loosening of restrictions did little to prevent a steady rise in the blue dollar rate. In August of 2019, President Macri lost the primary vote, marking an end to the free market policies the administration had instituted. This led to a massive stock market sell-off and currency devaluation as the peso dropped 15% in a single day. In September of 2019, new capital controls were instituted that prevented citizens from converting pesos to dollars at a rate that exceeds $10,000 per month. One month later, after mockery officially lost the election, citizens were limited to just $200 uh, or $200 of dollar savings from the previous $10,000 allowed. Under the current Alberto Fernandez administration, capital controls have been increased yet again. The administration announced after entering office in December of 2019 that all purchases made in any foreign currency would be subject to a 30% tax, hampering official avenues for citizens to transact with relatively stable fiat currencies such as the U.S. dollar. As of April 2021, the government has confirmed that all capital controls will remain in place for the foreseeable future doubling down on policies that have destroyed the free market in Argentina, devalued the peso, and forced citizens to transact on the black market to maintain any level of prosperity. Coinciding with the new capital controls within the country, Bitcoin adoption has been steadily increasing. The amount of peer-to-peer volume within the country has significantly increased since 2018 and is continuing to maintain a consistent volume. As seen in the chart above, the clear upward peer-to-peer Volume trend beginning in the early, in early 2020 coincides with new capital controls within the country. These volumes may continue to increase as the current administration recently confirmed that all capital controls will remain in place. A move that will induce capital flight and continue to force citizens to transact outside of the traditional financial system. <clears throat> On the corporate side, South American e-commerce giant Mercado Libre, headquartered in Buenos Aires. Argentina recently disclosed a $7.8 million purchase with plans to hold Bitcoin on their balance sheet. The company has accepted Bitcoin for payments since 2015 as a result of South American customers being relatively financially disadvantaged and effectively being forced to rely on Bitcoin as a reliable payment method. Argentinians have been consistently robbed of their ability to preserve capital within their own country. Dramatic domestic inflation as a result of government money printing and heinous economic policies have forced citizens to abandon the peso for the U.S. dollar. Yet, in an attempt to finance government spending, citizens have had the only reliable form of currency outright stolen from them time and time again. On the surface, Bitcoin is the best savings technology in the world, providing an avenue for the citizens of Argentina to preserve their wealth in a perfectly constructed deflationary piece of technology. This is not Bitcoin's only usage for the economically disadvantaged citizens of Argentina. Bitcoin cannot be censored or confiscated regardless of government intervention. This facet alone will allow Argentinians to prosper outside of the arms of a corrupt government that has consistently shown a disregard for the well-being of its citizenry. Bitcoin does not align with the goals and incentive structure of the Argentine government, but fills the goals of the average citizen to perfection. Argentinians now have the ability to opt out of a system that has treated them unfairly for decades. Bitcoin is free to money. And it is, because those fundamentals still hold true. So I guess the argument against is, well, what are they doing now that the price is dropping? I don't know if they're smart to the fucking hodl. I you know there are more there's more going on in the world than the United States and and our our you know death grip on monetary policy around the world via the US dollar, which we are printing at a rate beyond anybody's, you know, mortal comprehension at this point. Nobody's ever seen anything like this. Hell, if you were to dig up Nixon, he'd probably freak out. And he's the guy that started all this bullshit. I'm serious. I'll bet you Richard Nixon coming out of his grave would look around and go, are you kidding me? You printed $6 trillion? I don't know, man. The whole thing seems like bullshit to me. Which is why I'm just going, I'm looking for the hardest fundamentals I can find. And the hardest fundamentals I can find is blocks come in with transactions Every 10 minutes, if it's lower or higher time frames, the difficulty adjustment does its thing and then miners react accordingly. But yet, the people transacting in Bitcoin still transact in Bitcoin. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a mempool that has a shitload of transactions in it. Although, I know, I hear you. I hear you. That's because they're selling off at freaking Bitfinex. Yeah, I know. I get it, dude. I get it. It doesn't matter what they spend their money on. If that's the way they want to transact, That's the way they can transact because Bitcoin is for enemies and nobody can tell them what to do. That's a fundamental. That's fundamental to the system, which is why, am I concerned? Of course I'm concerned. But am I going to sell my shit? No, I'm not going to sell my shit. Dude, it's ride or die, bitch. I'm just saying. Okay, so now, Sitcon. Uh, Sitcon and Flexa bring Bitcoin payments to global retailer network. There, I can't pronounce his name, Aluwapelumi Adejumo, about as best as I can do. Writing for Bitcoin magazine, mobile payments infrastructure company Sitcon has announced a partnership with cryptocurrency payment network Flexa to enable Bitcoin as a payment option for more retailers around the world any of the 6,000 global brands, okay, not just stores, but brands, whole brands and all the stores that are underneath those brands connected to SitCon can now opt in to accept Bitcoin through Flexa as well as other cryptocurrencies such as Ether and Litecoin. <clears throat> Quote, it empowers consumers to use digital currency payments with virtually no overhead at the lower co- at the lowest cost And while enabling merchants to receive settlement in US dollars or the digital currency of their choice, per the announcement, I think there was a typo in there. Um, Sitcon's mobile payments uh, offerings have been leveraged by large brands like L'Oreal, Nordstrom, MGM Resorts, and more. So the ability for customers of these brands to pay with BTC should serve as a significant adoption rail. Quote, We are excited to expand our crypto capabilities. By partnering with Flexa, SitCon founder and CEO Chuck Juan said in the announcement, quote, enabling digital currencies to make purchases at businesses around the world helps to push forward the development of the futures of payments. The partnership with Flexa allows our merchants to accept digital currencies so that brands around the world can access the expansive spending power of cryptocurrency holders. According to Flexa's co-founder, Trevor Filter, Merchants are at the center of the company's approach to payments. Quote, which is why we are delighted to support SitCon in strengthening their suite of merchant friendly payment offerings. He noted in the announcement, the alliance between the two companies provides a new avenue for global customers or sorry, global consumers to access utility for their Bitcoin holdings at online and in-person retailers. So all, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff that, that happened yesterday, aside from, you know, price slippage right? The, again, this is this, this, 6,000 brands. Again, it's important to note, this is 6,000 brands, not 6,000 fast food joints. There's a big difference. You're talking about like 6,000 whole brands. And when those brands include Nordstrom and L'Oreal and all that kind of shit, because Nordstrom's been losing their ass in the retail market as of late what i think i think that this is good for bitcoin i i I do it just happens that all this stuff you know is coming at a time when you've got this major price action to the downside and it's almost as if it's almost as if everybody in the world has like the same kind of luck you know it's like okay if i buy today then the price is gonna fall so i'm gonna wait and then the price goes up and then you go you know what screw it so you buy and then it goes down and you feel I know. I guarantee it. You feel like, shit, that's my luck. That ain't just your luck, pal. You share the same luck with everybody else on this planet. Everybody goes through this. So, you know, I got, you know, Michael Saylor announcing that he bought another 200, was it 229 Bitcoin at an aggregate price of, I want to say it's uh, $44,000 per Bitcoin. And he immediately gets hosed. And then Pomp announces his Bitcoin pizza place, which by the way, does not accept Bitcoin for his pizzas. Um, for various reasons, you need, really need to look into what's going on over there because it's not his pizza place. He's basically partnering with a shit ton of mom and pop pizza places and they have payment network issues. So they, they're not taking Bitcoin for Bitcoin pizza. He does that yesterday. And so he shares the luck. All these people share the same luck, guys. It doesn't matter whether you're just, you know, a poor bum on the street or you're Michael Saylor throwing down $44,000 per coin and buying 229 of their ass and getting your ass handed to you. The markets don't give a shit who you are, pal. So just understand that you're not alone in bad luck, okay? Okay. Uh, the OCC, here's some fun. OCC signals that may be less crypto-friendly than the Brian Brooks regime. Jeff Benson has this one out of Decrypt.co. <clears throat> Acting comptroller of the currency, Michael Sue, who was named to the position earlier this month by Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, is wasting no time making a mark. Sue has ordered a review of several of the agency's recent actions, including moves that gave it authority to provide cryptocurrency custody companies with banking licenses. Quote, my broader concern is that these initiatives were not done in full coordination with all stakeholders, Sue wrote in prepared remarks to the House Committee on Financial Services. Quote, nor do they appear to have been part of a broader strategy related to the regulatory perimeter. I believe addressing both of these tasks should be a priority, End quote. The House or Office of the Comptroller of the Currency, which is housed within the Department of the Treasury, regulates national banks and credit unions. Under the guidance of former Acting Comptroller Brian Brooks, a former Coinbase executive and current CEO of rival exchange Binance, the OCC took a strongly pro-crypto approach. In January, the OCC issued guidance that banks could issue their own stablecoins, digital assets meant to mimic the uh, the price of another currency like the us dollar and rely on blockchains for payment activities prior to that brooks's occ had launched a national fintech banking center allowing crypto companies to offer lending products but brooks leadership also rubbed some policymakers the wrong way in late 2020 a group of democratic representatives argued that brooks had demonstrated uh, <clears throat> quote an excessive focus on crypto assets and crypto-related financial services, In quote. After the 2020 election, financial services chair Maxine Waters wrote then-president-elect Joe Biden urging him to rescind The OCC's guidance, quote, your appointed officials at the office of the Comptroller of the Currency must also not assume, as their predecessors have, that a law Congress passed over 150 years ago somehow gives them authority to provide a national bank charter to non-bank fintech or payment companies, she wrote. Sue will testify on Wednesday, that's today, about regulatory oversight of depository institutions, alongside the chairs of the National Credit Union Administration and the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, as well as the Vice Chairman of Supervision for the Federal Reserve Board of Governors. So there you go. There's some there there's some FUD for you right there, man. Um, <clears throat> let's get into. Hold on for a second. Let me look at this one. Yeah, we're going to save this one for later. So for right now, let's run the numbers. CNBC uh, futures and commodities. We have uh, flammable liquids. Actually, it's not just flammable. Everything is down. Everything. I mean everything. They're like even agricultural futures are taking taking it on the on the chin right now. But we'll start with oil. West Texas Intermediate down damn near two percent. One point eight three. for a barrel of that. Brent North Sea's going for $67.49, which is 1.78% to the downside. Natural gas, 1% down. It is at $2.98 for 1,000 cubic feet of that. As mentioned, all shiny metal rocks are also likewise getting pummeled. 0.68% to the downside for gold. $1,855 for an ounce. Silver is down two and a third, guys, back down to $27.67. Platinum is down one and three quarters. Copper took a massive plunge, $2.57 to the downside. Palladium is down one and a half. As I mentioned, all agricultural futures are down some, or yeah, most by over a full point and the rest down by under a full point. The biggest one or the biggest hit that any of them have taken is wheat, which is down 2% at the time that I'm talking. Indices are also down, some some down over a point. <clears throat> Dow futures is down 0.8. S&P futures is down just a hair over 1%. NASDAQ futures is down 1.4%, so tech is going to get pummeled today. S&P mini is down 1.22%. All the interest rate futures for the uh, 30, the 10, and the 5, and the 2-year treasury bonds have all been pushed lower. And let's see, the price on the 30-year futures uh, for the treasury is down by a quarter of a percent, which is a pretty big hit, guys. Uh, Now, let's talk about real money. I got Bitcoin at a price of $39,320.28. Uh, 233,000 transactions were performed in the last 24 hours, which is a measly 9,700 transactions on average per hour. This shit, this shit should be between 12 and 13,000 transactions per hour. This is, is feeding my thesis that there are so many hodlers out there that the only people that are able to describe a price discovery are the people with the weakest hands in the world and they always have been if you're spending your time trading between shit coins you have weak hands by definition because you're not you're not holding on to anything you're just trying to bounce from casino to casino to casino trying to pick up some kind of I don't know. you're picking up pennies on the in front of a train Kind of shit. So the only people that are able to do price discovery are the worst people in the world to do price discovery because price discovery somehow or another does not happen with people who just buy and hold long term. Think about that. I may be completely wrong in that thesis, and if I am, you know, let me have it. My DMs are open on Twitter. That's B E N N D seven seven. Tell me why I'm wrong about this thesis. However, it seems to me that the only people that are in a position to define prices or perform the action of price discovery are the very worst people in the world that you would want defining price discovery. So tell me why I'm wrong on that shit. 878,000 BTC sent in the past 24 hours, that's about 36,600 BTC sent per hour, uh, 3.77 BTC is the average transaction value. The median transaction value, nothing has changed. 0.031 BTC, which is right around 1200 bucks. Block times are excessively high at 13 minutes and five seconds. We have 0.8 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis and 86.6 BTC being taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. And with a 13.5% dip in hash rate, we are back down to 134.37 exahashes per second, which earlier this year was an all-time high. If you remember, nobody nobody remembers what happens like two months ago. Dude, our, our like attention span has been destroyed through TV and news cycles and all kinds of shit. But yeah, 134,000 or 134 exahashes per second. I remember when we were jumping up and down about that shit. Here we are again, except now, if you listen to the way the news is going to spin it, it's a liability. No, it's not these are the fundamentals that i look at and honestly looking at this list of fundamentals except for the price you know what this looks like this looks like every other day on bitcoin every other day it looks exactly like this nothing has changed the only thing that's changed is the price the market sentiment and how you're going to take it you're going to be a little bitch and run away or are you going to stand strong man you know i mean it hurts yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say I'm not human, but when I'm looking at the fundamentals, nothing, nothing changes. It's been this way for a long time. Hell, I mean, it was like when we were at fifty-five thousand and fifty-seven thousand dollars. I was seeing, you know, actually, I was at. I think pre sixty-three thousand on the all-time high. I was seeing well over a million, you know, well over 1 million, well over one and a half million BTC changing hands in a 24 hour period. I have, I barely, I rarely see over 1 million BTC changing hands right now. Again, this goes to my thesis. I think the only people that are describing price action are the people that are the worst people in the world you would want describing price action. And those are the people that play in the casinos. There's got to be some other mechanism for price discovery other than buying and selling through bot trading on an open market such you know at Bitfinex or something like that. There's got to be a better way. But your shitcoin indicator not looking good. 38 cents on Doge. I remember when I sold all when I sold my bags for 44 between 44 and 45 cents, which makes me lucky, but I wasn't lucky after i sold and the price went back up to 60 cents or what, 58 cents or something like that no actually actually didn't get back up that high it got up to like 51 52 cents but now it's back at 38 cents B- why because the shit coins are taking it twice as bad as bitcoin is right now but you will i guarantee you will only hear about bitcoin's price in the news whereas when we're on the way up the only thing you hear about is the shitcoin price in the news and how it's better than Bitcoin. But I guarantee you won't hear a fucking thing all day long today about how Ether dumped twice as bad as as Bitcoin or Dogecoin's getting just pummeled way worse than Bitcoin. How the entire shitcoin casino is being lit on fire at a rate twice as bad as Bitcoin. But you won't hear a single thing about it I guarantee it because we're all being programmed by the news. And who owns the news? The very people that do not want not only Bitcoin, but anything else to succeed. Now, I don't like the shitcoin market. I only care about Bitcoin. But I have to look at what the people in power are actually doing and saying. All right. So Clark Moody has uh, 44,500 transactions waiting on 71 blocks to clear. So the mempool for lack of a better term is filling back up we have lost quite a bit of market cap let's just go ahead and be adults about this we are back down to 700 uh 706 billion dollars so we are now only we're below three quarters of a trillion dollar market cap we're back down to 5.87 percent of gold's market cap and we can now only buy 20.4 ounces of gold with a single bitcoin of which there are 18,713,585.5 of. I guarantee you nobody can tell you how many dollars there are in circulation, nor can they tell you how many ounces of gold are in circulation. Not not to a decimal place. I guarantee it, dude. Uh, We have 1,333.5 BTC in the Lightning Network. That's the layer two that sits on top of Bitcoin that enables faster, cheaper transactions. Uh, The capacity value has fallen down to $50.5 million dollars the number of nodes is 11,334 that we can see. Okay, there's there's other things out there. Uh, and there's also 45,922 uh, uh, channel or lightning channels that we can see. Uh, percentage of Tor capacity holds at 60.7%. So that means that over the Tor side, a very private and very obfuscated and very difficult to tease out as to who's talking to who network on top of uh, the internet. That is still holding at 60.7%. And there are 809.3 BTC in the TOR side of the Lightning Network, of which there are 5,622 nodes running the TOR Lightning side of the network that we know about. Now, Taproot, I've got, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 mining pools are now signaling for Taproot. We are not going to get Taproot this difficulty period. It was just too late. However, as I look at the difference between the number of green and red blocks uh, that are coming in, a green block signals that they are signaling for Taproot, a red block signals that they are not signaling for the Taproot upgrade. I'm I'm seeing clear, clear acceleration in the amount of Taproot signaling blocks coming through so we have that. And that would actually be, I, I still stand on this. As much chicanery as the miners have given us in the past, I think now would be a great time for the, for the miners to say, you know what, we're not going to do any chicanery this time. We're all in this together. We're all Bitcoiners. And we're all going to activate Taproot and show a unified front in the face of all the rest of the world's bullshit that the world is trying to throw at us. I think that that would be good and healthy for the ecosystem this time around, instead of falling into infighting and having the world look at us and say, look, they're now they're starting to tear themselves from the inside out. All we have to do is wait to which I keep thinking, wait for what? For your money system to die? Cause it's going to die. I mean, it's either going to be Bitcoin or it's going to be something else. It sure as shit ain't going to be part of the, the shitcoin casino. But what else out there? They're not going to go back to gold. There's not going to start circulating silver. I mean, what do you want? You know, like the financial system as we know it is, is dying. There's no way to resuscitate it. It's on life support, but it's brain dead. It's not coming back. There, I, I, I have to, as a moral and ethical individual, I have to move to a system that has fundamentals that I can trust. I trust blocks coming in at 10 minutes. And if they don't, a difficulty adjustment occurs. And after the difficulty adjustment occurs, a group of miners react. That's, that's, that, those are my fundamentals because nothing else is fundamental at this point. I, the, the, I mean, I don't even know how much they're gonna print. Even if they were to say, we're only going to print $6 trillion a month, At least that would be a fundamental. That's not what they're doing. They're just gonna print until we're all living in oblivion and we have to have an escape hatch. Otherwise, I don't see what the point of the rest of the life is. So this is why a Bitcoin, because it has fundamentals that I can look at. It has fundamentals that do not change. None of those fundamentals have ever changed since the Genesis block. Come on guys, it's gonna be okay. It depends on how much patience you have versus your time horizon. If you can look out in the future for a long time, then it really doesn't matter. But if for whatever reason you react on shit that happened, like that you react to shit that's going to go happen to you four hours from now, not even Bitcoin can help you. Okay. Let's, that's going to do it for finals. Welcome to part two of the morning roundup. We'll start this one with Scott Cipollina writing for Decrypt.co. ARK Invest defends Bitcoin's environmental impact following Elon Musk tweets. Uh, Let's see. ARK Invest, an investment management firm that is a big investor in Coinbase and in Tesla, has questioned Elon Musk's stance that Bitcoin is bad for the environment. Quote, in our view, the concerns around Bitcoin's energy uh, consumption are misguided. Contrary to consensus thinking, we believe the impact of Bitcoin mining could become a net positive to the environment, ARK's analyst said in a research note published yesterday. The note comes just a week after Tesla CEO Elon Musk reversed course on the top cryptocurrency tweeting on May 12th that the EV manufacturer had stopped accepting Bitcoin over climate concerns. Uh, however, the Arc team claimed that though through real-world data, they have demonstrated how mining could impact the amount of renewable energy provisioned to the grid by transforming intermittent power resources into baseload generation by way of energy storage. This year, Arc Invest supplied data used in a white paper released by Square as part of its Bitcoin Clean Energy Initiative. The white paper claimed that Bitcoin mining could be an opportunity for the world to transition towards renewable energy. To support this view, Square alleged that Bitcoin miners are location agnostic and only required internet connection to function. That's important to note. Per today's data, however, almost two thirds of all Bitcoin miners are based in China. The white paper also assumes that because renewable energy sources are generally seen as cheaper than fossil fuels, Bitcoin miners prefer renewable energy sources. According to Cambridge University, however, only 39% of the Bitcoin network is powered by renewable energy. Last month, a coal mine in China flooded, yes, we know, causing Bitcoin's hash rate to drop to figures not seen since November of 2020. Oh my God, a handful of months ago. Oh, whatever shall we do? Illustrating the network's reliance on fossil fuels. That's bullshit. That even Ark Invest got that wrong, so don't trust. You know, don't trust anybody, guys. You got to do all of your own research. Ark Invest has invested heavily in crypto-exposed firms, including Square, Tesla, uh, via its Ark Innovation ETF. Last month, Ark Invest bought 356 million dollars worth of Coinbase shares, and Ark CEO Kathy Wood joined the board of crypto company Aman. So they get some things right, they get other things wrong, but. All in all, you basically got one of you know a major investor in Tesla telling the you know the world that the CEO of that that same company is just flat ass wrong. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if Ark Invest stays in Tesla. I suspect that they will because you don't make these decisions and then just pull right back out. That's just not that. Uh, no market participants are are not going to sit well with that bullshit. All right, we were talking about Argentina <clears throat> before in the first part of the show. We're going to talk about Argentina again, only this time around it's going to be a where's the beef situation. Yahoo Finance has this one. And the reason I'm going to, is this is not about Bitcoin. This is about beef. However, it, it it speaks to macroeconomic forces as well as the fact that beef, unless you have not been in this space for longer than a week, is a major part of the of the uh, Bitcoin community. So beef is now only for Argentinians, government says after halting beef exports, Bloomberg, oh, this is from Bloomberg, by the way, uh, Yahoo Finance is picking up the Bloomberg article. Uh, Argentina is limiting uh, shipments of beef, a staple in the world's fifth biggest exporter, the latest unorthodox move by the government to try to contain, guess what? runaway inflation that is approaching 50% annually. President Alberto Fernandez told a key beef export associate that it won't be allowed to sell the product abroad for 30 days, according to a production ministry statement released on Monday night. During that period, the government will establish a set of emergency measures for the industry. Quote, the issue with beef prices clearly got out of control, Fernandez told a local radio station on Tuesday morning. International beef demand created distortions with domestic prices that cannot be tolerated anymore. We can't keep watching beef prices rise month by month without any justification. The measure demonstrates that the government is willing to sacrifice much needed dollars from exports to appease voters ahead of a midterm election later this year. The country's beef exports have been booming in recent years thanks to China-led demand and sales reached nearly $3 billion in 2020, but the government has been increasingly worried about the political cost of falling domestic consumption. Argentines, who traditionally have been among the world's most voracious red meat eaters, have seen their intake reduce steadily amid declining income and diet changes. A prolonged economic slump means annual per capita beef consumption has fallen to 48 kilograms, which is 106 pounds, the lowest level in data uh, data on record, and far less than the 2009 peak of 69 kilograms, according to the beef industry group CERCRA. Retail beef prices in the Buenos Aires region increased more than 65% over the last year, Uh, Promotion Authority IPCVA said, the president expressed his concern over the sustained increase in domestic beef prices over the last few months, the government said in Monday evening statements. The discussion uh, during Fernandez's meeting with the export group also included, possible steps to restrict speculative practices and fiscal evasion. Some of those measures will be adopted over coming days. Fernandez added that the 30-day suspension period could be curtailed if the implementation of the measures leads to positive results according to the statement. Earlier in the year, the government backtracked on a move to ban corn exports Argentina's four main farm associations, seen as politically opposed to the ruling coalition, didn't waste any time before criticizing the decision, telling their members on Tuesday morning to halt the beef trade in the country for over a week as a way of protesting the measure. Argentinian beef exports have been surging for four years and reached a record in the first two months of 2021, according to SICRA, The suspension resembles similar policy decisions during 2003-2015 under the presidencies of Nestor Kirchner and his successor, Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner, which led cattle numbers to plunge and the country to lose share in the international market. The government last month formalized a register to ensure domestic supplies of beef at accessible prices as well as monitor shipments. As inflation hit 46%, a move farmers feared would be a de facto tool for curbing exports. Not all beef cuts may be included in the resolution, which hasn't yet been published, according to a person with knowledge of the matter. All right, so because of, they keep exporting their beef to the rest of the world. The rest of the world went through this whole pandemic. The rest of the world is printing fiat to combat the pandemic. Guess what? Prices go up and that filters all the way back down to who? The guys that produced the beef in the first fucking place. So the guys out in Argentina were getting higher prices across the board. This isn't good for their government. Their government wants to look like a hero of the people. So by God, we're not going to give those those Anglo-Saxons any more beef so that we can keep our prices stable at home. While all the while, we're inflating the living shit out of the time you've spent on this earth, so that it's it's we've just devalued your ass. Now, that's what this all is about, isn't it they They want to look like heroes by keeping beef prices down yet on the with the other hand, what do they do? They print money at fifty percent so they can devalue everybody's time that they spent in Argentina doing work by fifty percent. yet they're gonna To the people, they're going to look like heroes. And the only people getting screwed on the other end are the people that want the Argentinian beef on the export and the beef producers themselves. And everybody's getting screwed by 50% inflation. So this doesn't matter. What it does matter is the fact that if you're a fan of Argentinian beef, and you should be, why? Because the Argentinians know how to ranch, dude. Those guys are just as good ranchers as we are in Texas in Colorado. I guarantee it, man. So, anyway, that's what's going on in Argentina. The Indian government is flip-flopping again. They're rethinking a crypto ban, according to the Economic Times. Martin Young has this for Cointelegraph. Reports are emerging that India's government may be reconsidering its stance on cryptocurrencies with the formation of a new regulatory panel. Yet another one. A May 19th report in the Economic Times cited three sources privy to discussions on the formation of a fresh panel of experts with a view to regulating cryptocurrency trading in India. The move comes amid increasing support for overturning regulations made by a committee led by former finance secretary Subhash Garg in 2019 for a blanket ban on crypto assets on the grounds that they have become outdated. The report quoted an unnamed official with knowledge of the matter who stated, there is a view within the government that the recommendations made by Subhash Garg are dated and a fresh look is needed to, at use of cryptos rather than a total ban. In quote, the new panel may be used to investigate the use of blockchain for technological adva- enhancement and suggest ways to regulate crypto assets separately to fiat currencies. It may also work closely with the Reserve Bank of India on any proposed digital rupee project. Minister of State for Finance and Corporate Affairs Art and uh, sorry Anurag Thakur. May be considered to join the new committee according to the report. Thakur and Finance Minister Nirmala Sitharaman have both previously stated that the government would prefer to take a calibrated approach to regulation, calibrated approach, whatever the fuck that means, for crypto assets rather than impose an outright ban. The RBI. Had banned all banks from allowing consu- uh, customers to trade in cryptocurrency in 2018, however, was overturned by the Supreme Court in February of 2020 following a petition filed by Indian fintech entrepreneurs and experts. There have been many reports that a blanket ban would be reimposed with an anonymous source claiming to be a senior Indian Finance Ministry official, claiming such earlier this year. The cryptocurrency and regulation of official digital currency bill 2021 was scheduled to be addressed in Parliament in March, but... It was deferred for reasons not made public, the Economic Times report added. Sitharaman is expected to be briefed by her team later this month regarding ongoing developments in the cryptocurrency space and collective breaths are being held again in the Indian crypto industry circles. There have been massive momentum on crypto exchanges and sustained retail demand in India in recent months despite the ever-present regulatory fears. So flip flopping again. How the hell do you run a country this way? And that goes for any of these countries, man. It's like, like we got Brian Brooks that does all kinds of cool stuff, and then we got this new asshole as the, uh, you know, for the office of the comptroller of the currency, and saying something completely different. Uh, you know, at what point, at what point is sustainability of action going to come into play here for governments? Spoiler, it ain't. <laughs> Again, look to the fundamentals of the systems that you trust. Who do you trust? I trust Bitcoin. Do I trust the Bitcoin price? No, because the Bitcoin price is endemically linked to market forces. But what really, I mean, and and yeah, mining and all that kind of stuff is, is also linked intrinsically to market forces as well. But a lot of the price is just perceived. Like whether or not there's FUD in mainstream media Whether or not there's a coordinated attack via, you know, FUD in mainstream media spearheaded by a certain CEO that honestly, I'm not sure how he's the CEO of anything. None of his companies actually produce any profit and never have. Yet he's the third richest man on the face of the planet. How does that work? Well, it it works because you're at the behest of the government that prints the money and gives you grants and subsidies so that you can operate a business that doesn't make any money, that consistently loses money. So when they tell you to jump, you say how high. That's how this shit works. Now, I'm going to go ahead and end it there with these words. You have to do your own research. You have to figure out, how much of this bullshit you can stand mentally you you have to do it there's no other way out guys i mean it's not like it's not like something that you know it's not like something that you can just ignore because the the pain is real we're in you know we're in either we're either going to be in a prolonged bear or we're going to be in a mini bear for a little while until the FUD clears out and the weak hands get shaken, shook out again. And that ends up being one of the things that I hate about this space is that every time we get a bull market, we get brand new retail coming in the gates. What do they not know how to do? They don't know how to operate within the space that they now find themselves in. They don't know what to do with FUD. They don't know what to do with single day market crashes that, that have rebounds. They don't know what buy the dip means. They get, sha- they, like 80% of them get shook out. 20% of them kind of figure out real quick what they're doing. And that's the education in this space has gotten nothing but better. However, for 80% of all retail that floods into, this, into the system on every bull run, expect you know expect those guys to not be here within a couple of days of the first major scary ass 38% to 48% drawdown. You cannot depend on those people. So what do you depend on? You depend on the fundamentals. Blocks come in with transactions every 10 minutes. If it's not every 10 minutes, if, that, if that's a prolonged situation, a difficulty adjustment occurs. After the difficulty adjustment occurs, the miners react accordingly and round And round and round we go. Those are the fundamentals. The difficulty adjustment is one of the most unsung heroes of the entire Bitcoin landscape that there is. Very few people know, not only have even heard the word difficulty adjustment, but they certainly don't know what it does. And it's one of the most important aspects of the Bitcoin system. So guys we're probably going to end up around thirty-five dollars to $37,000. How are you going to act? You figure that out. I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.